Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. On this episode of TFL Talking Trucks, we're trying to answer one very important question. Who is going to be first to market with an all-electric pickup truck? And to do this, uh, I have on the line here a longtime friend of the show, Alex Dykes from Alex Anatos. Welcome, Alex. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining TFL Talking Trucks podcast. If you love pickup trucks or big full-size SUVs. If you love trailering, towing, and going off-road, this is the right place to be. Together, we can make this podcast the most popular ever. Yeah, thanks. Let's talk about let's talk about electric trucks. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I have one. I have one on order. I don't know if it'll ever arrive, but hey, I ordered one. Uh, which one do you have on order? I have the RT1 or R1T, whatever, whichever, whichever this little guy is. They they send you this uh, when you order one. They send you this nifty little sort of watercolor drawing thing to get your hopes up, but then they keep pushing the date back, so. All right, just, just to be clear, I wanna make, make sure people get it. Rivian R1T is the truck you ordered. And yep. when did you order it? This was what, at the LA Auto Show, what, a year and a half ago or so? Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, the day, the day it was, the day they pre-orders opened. So it's been a long time. <laughs> yes, and of course, I am Andre Smirnoff at tfltruck.com. So let's start the show. So recently the news came out that Rivian officially stated that their R1T all-electric pickup truck uh, is gonna reach market in June of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, So just a little background story, right? So um, they initially were saying their uh, electric vehicles were gonna be on sale at the end of this year, 2020, then early 2021, but now it's officially June. Yeah. Um, so, so the, the, this is where the question came: um, Who is going to be first to market? Because uh, manufacturer schedules are very dynamic right now, especially with the virus and the mm-hmm. pandemic, right? So, uh, all the schedules seems to be uh, seem to be shifting. Um, so that's why I wanted to have the discussion with you and tell tell the audience a little bit about uh, Alex on Autos. What do you do there? So we focus on very consumer focused uh, car reviews. So, you know, how many bags fit in the trunk? How do child seats fit in there? How does it cost? What's the value comparison to other other cars out there? We focus a lot on value and comparisons. So we try and stay away from uh, ultra expensive vehicles, although I have to follow my sword. I just had a Rolls Royce Wraith last week. So, you know, hey, it happens now and then. Okay. Um, but, but generally speaking, we focus on, on cars that sell over 100,000 units um, a year 
primarily, um, and we will take anything that sells over 10,000 units a year and costs under $100,000. So we're, we're laser focused in that window. Um, because we're located in California, we do a lot of uh, EV and hybrid videos. So we just had the Ford Explorer hybrid, for instance, in for a video. Um, and I tow a lot personally, so towing falls into some of those videos a lot. We have a towing series on the RAV4 hybrid towing, for instance, where we drastically overloaded it and then climbed up 7,000 feet. Yeah, and we do a lot of towing on TFL truck as well. Mm -hmm. We tow, of course, in Colorado on the Ike Gauntlet um, at over 11,000 feet of elevation, but you focus a lot of your attention to crossover and SUV towing, right? We do, yeah, because I'm always torn. I've always been this person that wants a truck, and then every time I've bought a vehicle, I end up with an SUV instead um, for a variety of different reasons, some practical, some not. Um, the big one came down to cost this last time. The Durango is cheaper than a comparable Ram 1500, so box checked. Um, you know, you can overload it. I'm, I've, I've been naughty and towed 9,500 pounds with it before, and it was totally fine. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's save that conversation till a little bit later, okay? Uh, let's focus on the all electric trucks. Yeah. Um, and then go to a little bit SUV versus truck. So, let's go down the list, right? So, uh, several companies are introducing. Uh, brand new companies actually introducing electric vehicles or electric pickup trucks to the market, or that's the hope, that's what they're working towards of, towards to. Um, and then there is uh, some existing OEMs, you know, major manufacturers like Ford, General Motors, um, and others yeah. who are also introducing electric trucks. So I wanted to kind of go down the line and discuss um, each one really briefly um, and kind of put it up against this measuring stick um, that Rivian has here uh, with the f June 2021 introduction of their pickup truck. So, um, yep. Alex, uh, let's go over first the Rivian truck really, really briefly. Um, can you kind of uh, throw some specs our way? So, I mean, the Rivian truck seems interesting because they're claiming half-ton sort of capability in a form factor that's more mid-sized truck. It's not quite half-ton-like, and that's one of the things that intrigued me is I, I personally have the need to tow over 7,000 pounds on a regular basis, but I don't really want something enormous. Um, so I was intrigued by that. Um, they also have a lot of practical, nice touches. You know, they got the front up front. Uh, they've got some funky storage behind the, the, uh, the cab. Um, they've got an inverter in the bed, which, which is not as powerful as the F-150 hybrid, but still pretty good for a, a truck. Um, and they're promising off-road ability, um, sort of, I guess maybe you'd say gladiator-like, really off-road ability is what they're, they're promising with the Rivian, as well as, you know, crazy performance and tank turns because of the four-motor design, so you can just turn around in circles really easily. So it seems really cool. Um, theoretically, it seems like they're going to be first to market because supposedly... The design is final. Supposedly, the factory tooling is being worked on right now, and uh, they have, you know, their production dates have moved out. But it seems like there's been progress along the way, mm -hmm. um, and we see a little bit more detail than we see out of GM with the Hummer, and uh, obviously, there's no Ford EV um, that's comparable just yet. And the Cybertruck really seems to be, you know, vaporware. Well, yeah, so Cybertruck made its debut, and huge debut, actually, last year, right? Yes, debut, um, debut. That, that was the <laughs> prototype 
uh, that everybody talked about, it seems, in November of last year in 2019. Um, and of course, that's kind of still the elephant in the room because Tesla yeah. has been around as a company for 10 years or a little mm -hmm. bit more, um, uh, more than 10 years. And they seemed um, to kind of break the mold, in my perspective, at least. You know, they, they promised a lot. And then over the years, they're moving towards, uh, in my view, uh, just delivering on a lot of those promises. You know, mm -hmm. they now have what, you know, three uh, vehicles on the market, the Model S, the Model X, Model Y, Model 3, so four, right? Yeah, so four, yep. Um, and, and more coming, you know, the Roadster is eventually going to be here sometime, the yep. next Roadster. Um, they're working on a semi-truck. semi, yep. And see, that's, and that, in my head, that's why I think the, the Cybertruck is going to be later than, we, than some people are hoping for, because they've got so much on their plate, and Tesla has proved that they, or, well, they've yet to prove, I should say, that they can roll out multiple models at a time. I have no doubt that it's coming. It's a when question. So they've got to get through the Roadster first. They've got to get through the, through the Model Y launch issues. Then they've got to get through the Roadster. Then they've got to get through the Semi, according to their timeline, and then onto the truck. And I yes. would say, I would say, if the truck, if the Tesla beats the Rivian to market, I will eat this hobby horse live on air right here. Okay, you have a little pony, a uh, little toy pony. Yeah, hobby horse on a stick. Okay. I have no idea why it's in my studio, but somehow it, it ended up. If here. they beat Rivian but, to market, you will eat it on live. I will. Uh, I will TV. eat this hobby horse. Yes, I will just saw it up and consume my hobby horse live on air. Okay, <laughs> you, you heard it here first, folks. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's happening, right? So Rivian has a factory in Normal, Illinois. They, like you mm -hmm. said, you've, they've outfitted the factory with a lot of tooling needed to build the truck. And like you said, it's a four-motor vehicle, uh, basically four electric motors, one for each wheel. Not in-hub motors, though. Correct. They're yeah. inboard, um, and there's still drive shafts going down to the wheels, uh, but it's According to them, it allows them to have very high precision all-wheel drive, um, and you know torque vectoring, all these, all the cool stuff that uh, you mm -hmm. know high-performance vehicles have, not just trucks. Right. Um, so that's that. Tesla just recently, several days ago, announced that they're uh, breaking ground and actually uh, creating a new factory. They call it the Terra Factory, I believe, um, near Austin, Texas. So. Yeehaw. Yeah, so, so now there is actually some footage on YouTube where um, they're showing, you know, bulldozers and earth movers moving dirt uh, where the mm -hmm. factory is going to be placed. And their website on Tesla.com says the Cybertruck is coming at the end of 2021. So yep. right now, according to them, they're not going to beat the Rivian schedule. Right. Uh, but like you said, that timeline for Tesla Cybertruck seems very aggressive. It does seem aggressive. And, you know, maybe it's possible because we don't know, I mean, we don't know all the internal workings at Tesla. It's, it's possible that maybe they're prioritizing Cybertruck over Roadster. And so maybe Roadster is going to be the one that's late. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily know. But we do know, based on what we've seen of the Cybertruck, that that, that truck, as shown, is probably not going to be what we're finally going to see because it, it's not going to meet uh, crash test standards that way. It's not going to meet um, FMVSS headlight standards the way that it's designed. So, uh, you know, it may have a futuristic look, but I doubt we're going to get what they showed, you know, on stage. Yeah, so we discussed two companies so far, Rivian and Tesla. Uh, we, we have to discuss, I think, the next in line, and I'm trying to organize these in the order of kind of the funding that the companies have. 
So Rivian has a lot of funding. They recently announced another, what, $2 mm -hmm. billion or two-plus billion dollars of investment um, in addition yep. to the Amazon and Ford investments. Right. Um, it's like aside from Tesla, I think as far as startup companies go, Tesla's obviously proved that they're, they're, they're good at staying in business. They haven't gone bankrupt and they're good at getting investor cash in. So I think that a second from them, as far as new companies go, I think Rivian's in the best place because they do have a lot of external investments. You know, they've got orders from Amazon. They've got, you know, partial investments from, from other auto manufacturers, et cetera, going in there. But now the third company I want to discuss right now for the next upcoming electric truck is Nikola. And mm -hmm. I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, because I'm really intrigued by the Badger. I mean, aside from the name, I think the name is a little silly. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be driving a Badger down the road. What about um, the Honey Badger? Would, would you yeah, like to... I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a Hedgehog. It could have been a Sonic Hedgehog. I don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the the, the name, name aside, I'm intrigued because it's, of course, going to be a plug-in hydrogen truck. And that makes more sense in my head, if you can get the hydrogen. Yeah, so now let's talk briefly about Nikola. Um, Nikola is a younger company still. Um, mm -hmm. They've been around for several years, maybe up to four to five years. And they initially focused on big uh, semi-trucks. And, and they talked about hydrogen fuel cell, like you said, um, mm -hmm. to actually power their electric semis. Um, and they've been working kind of a little bit on the radar, so to speak, for a while. But now they've made a big splash recently, not just with the Badger introduction, but also by going public with, with their right. kind of, uh, reverse merger, I think. I, I will never understand what they did. Uh, <laughs> but You'll have to get Anton to explain that one. Yeah, Anton will have to help us to explain that. But, <laughs> but now they're also getting capital, right, uh, based yes. on that. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the Badger, um, like you said, they're going to have uh, two versions of it. First, all-electric, battery-powered uh, mm -hmm. one. Um, and then next up, it would be kind of battery-powered in conjunction with hydrogen and fuel cell. And they're quoting up to 600 miles of total range. So mm -hmm. whereas what the, um, the R R1T Rivian is a, around 400 miles maximum, right? As long as you're not towing anything. As long as you're not towing. We, we, we'll talk about that a little bit later because <laughs> yep. we've had experience yep. with towing. Yep. Yep, <laughs> so we all have. <laughs> and they, it decreases drastically. The range goes yes. down drastically. But they're quoting 600 miles on the fuel cell technology. But then, of course, you're going to ask me, well, Andre, uh, where are you going to get hydrogen, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's the interesting part is Nikola seems to be interested in putting hydrogen filling stations across the country. So I think that's going to be... That'll be the key is, is can Nikola, can they launch the vehicle? Can they launch a fueling network as they're claiming? Because the claim has been that they want to focus on, on the semi thing as well. And so they're promising this nationwide network of filling stations for hydrogen semis. And then also all those stations will have the same H70 connector to fill any hydrogen fuel cell vehicle at those same locations. And, um, and that's something this. that... That's something the other, other fuel cell makers haven't been willing to do. And you've had experience with this with the Hyundai uh, Nexo, correct? Yep. So we have a, a long-term Nexo that we leased. Uh, we are in year two. Yeah, I think year two of the, of the Nexo lease. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been great so far in our very limited window. And my office happens to be right next to a hydrogen station, practically. It's uh, about a quarter of a mile away. And there are two hydrogen stations on my way from the office to home. 
Um, and then it's, it's used primarily here at the office. Our employees drive it primarily for pickups and deliveries of things on the other side of the business. And um, there are also some hydrogen stations very close to our, our, some of our customers there. And whereabouts and so, are you? Whereabouts are you? We're in San Jose, okay. um, Silicon Valley capital of the world. Um, but, um, you know, outside California, obviously it filling is very limited. There are stations in Canada and there's some in Hawaii that are public and supposedly it looks like the Eastern seaboard will be next new England up there, um, Massachusetts and, and further North. It looks like that's going to be the next place for hydrogen. The experience is very gasoline like that is the one benefit. So hydrogen fuel cell vehicles seem to, uh, the range predictions seem to be more accurate than EVs. Even if you're driving the neck so hard, the range prediction seems to track a little bit more along the lines of a gasoline vehicle. Okay. Um, and there's just more energy on board. The Nexo contains about double the, the energy available in any current EV. Um, now fuel cells aren't as efficient, obviously, as storing the energy, so you don't get as much out of it, but um, that's, that's being improved on. And the weight involved with fuel cell uh, technology is a lot lower than batteries. So the more weight you take out of a truck, the more weight you can put back in in terms of payload or towing. So there definitely seem to be some advantages for, for the truck, but infrastructure is always the, the, the bear. Yeah, uh, let's talk about price. You mentioned price a little bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, really quickly, so the Rivian R1T starts at around 69000 This is before incentives, right? Yeah. Um, $69,000. It, it will get the full credit, thank God. Yeah, so about seventy grand, right? So yep. the Cybertruck is more aggressive. The dual motor Cybertruck is first, according to Tesla, at about fifty grand. So that's quite an aggressive, um, uh, actually, price, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, and of course, now the Badger, Nikola Badger, uh, starts at about sixty grand for the battery model and ninety thousand to buy with a fuel cell. Yeah. And what the fuel cell basically gives you, like you were explaining, you can quickly refill with hydrogen, right? Um, have a smaller mm -hmm. battery. So you're kind of sort of trying to control your curb weight on your vehicle a little bit more, but also using hydrogen to create electricity to power the electric motors. So it seems like a good solution other than in Colorado, we don't have any access to hydrogen right, right now. So And it's so, like the, the, problem, the problem with electric range when towing which I know we're going to dive into more a little bit, just was highlighted for me relatively recently because in my head, I was really excited about the electric truck because I don't generally, don't generally tow long distances. So most of my towing heavier weights, et cetera, is like taking the tractor in for service, taking the excavator in for service, et cetera, or take hauling a vehicle around on, the, on a car trailer uh, or other large loads in, on our flatbed or box trailers. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, it's within the Bay Area, greater San Francisco Bay Area or Monterey Bay Area where I live. Uh, so 50, 60, 70 miles maximum, generally speaking. And I thought the truck would be perfect for that. But then this year, I've actually made two long distance trips to Fresno, California and, and back. And that highlighted the fact that um, I don't think I could do that round trip on a battery charge. How many miles was that? Uh, that's 220 miles-ish each way. Uh -huh. And so about 440 miles round trip. So even even unladen, none of the vehicles we're talking about really would realistically make that round trip yeah. um, because there are mountain passes involved. So um, depending on which way you go, you're climbing up 3,000 to, to 2,000 to 3,000 feet. Uh, and there are multiple. So you'd be, 
you know, you, you drain well, your battery pretty quickly. Yes, but also you're regaining some energy on the way down, right? A little bit, yeah. So traditional trucks, um, and we can touch on this a little bit, right? Uh, Gasoline-powered or diesel-powered pickups, you know, you're not really gaining any energy. <laughs> right. All, you know, your braking energy is go, goes into heat, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't really gain you don't really gain too much energy back. I mean, that that's sort of the fallacy that a lot of a lot of EV fans um, hate to describe them all this way, but some some EV fans. Um, fall into this trap of thinking that somehow you're going to regain all of your energy going back down the hill. No. And the, the reality is you gain maybe about 5% back is what we've seen. So climbing, climbing up, up the hill, I live in a, I live in a mountainous area. So, you know, I go up and over a 2200 foot mountain pass every day. Um, and you gain about 5% of the energy that it took to get you up the hill back going down the hill. So it's not, not a lot at all. Well, yeah, it's not free energy, right? If, yeah. if you regained all of the energy that it took you to climb on the way down, mm -hmm. you'll have a perpetual motion machine. Right. But I do like the idea of regenerative braking for, for keeping your trailer speed, your towing speed under control. I really like that idea because, um, you know, in, in a vehicle with a very small battery like a hybrid, you don't have that regen braking ability going downhill. And then it's going to fill up after the first few hundred feet of going down a steeper slope. And then you're just left with your friction brakes because you're not going to get much engine braking out of a lot of modern hybrids. So I like the concept of the tow vehicle with a bigger battery so you can stuff electrons back in and, and not have to use your friction brakes because that, that's going to save you when in an emergency. Your brakes are going to be nice and cool. Yeah, and also it saves wear and tear on your braking system. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a lot of advantages, of course, to electrified pickups trucks. Yep. But then, of course, diesel and gas-powered trucks, they have the benefit of a lot of energy density, right? A lot yes. of people talk about how much energy is in your fuel tank, which is a exactly. lot. Exactly. Um, I, I have a conversion uh, factor here on my sheet. It says one gallon of diesel fuel uh, number two, low sulfur, is equivalent to around 38 kilowatt hours of yep, energy. It's a lot. Now, so, I mean, in, and of course, even though, even though your diesel engine is not going to be 100% efficient, actually, it's wildly inefficient right. as far as these metrics go, it's so much easier to put an extra gallon or two on your truck and, of course, fill in five minutes that it just doesn't, it doesn't matter as much. And that's, that's, that's sort of the, the sales proposition for hydrogen as well, is that, you know, a kilogram of hydrogen is, is approximately equivalent to a gallon of diesel in energy density. Mm -hmm. So um, either gasoline, diesel, or hydrogen, you're just going to get more energy on the vehicle in the same amount of space and same amount of weight. And time, also very Yeah, different. and time. Yep. Right. All, all of the above. Yeah, um, which is really interesting, which is why the Nikola story is intriguing. Uh, mm -hmm. And we talked about uh, to market time, right? So let's touch on the Nikola Badger uh, time to market, uh, which is kind of uh, unknown at this point. So yeah. on the website, on the website, they list the Badger as a 2022 model. So mm -hmm. at least they kind of stated that. Um, so which means to me, maybe introduction in 2021, maybe at the end of the year, it's not really clear at the moment yeah. um, exactly when the Badger will hit the market. Or if which I were a betting man, it's probably going to be the EV first, maybe December-ish. Mm-hmm. That would be my so, guess. So we'll we'll have to check with them properly, you know, and actually try to get an answer out of them. Mm -hmm. But I know they broke ground on their semi truck plant in Arizona, yes. which is for their semi truck business. Um, and 
and that's still several years away. They're building electric semis in Europe using um, other help with other manufacturers. And actually the Badger truck, they're, they're actually in talks with other OEMs here in the United States to use their production capacity to build the Badger. Yep. Um, so that's really interesting. And also- that's their, And that's their benefit is that they've actually built things. I mean, they're not building them 100% themselves like Tesla is, but they've shipped more things than, um, than Rivian has. Yeah, yeah. So, so Nikola has a very interesting kind of model to do, to do this. And they're also thinking about using whichever OEM they pick, uh, their kind of dealership and service network. Mm -hmm. um, which is also very kind of mind-boggling because you're combining brands and that's, or not combining yeah. brands, but you have, I don't know, you go to one OEM dealership, right? And there's a section that says Nikola, right? So mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure that how that's going to work. Uh, speaking of combining mm -hmm. brands, let's move on really quick to the GMC Hummer. <laughs> Yes, the GMC Hummer. Right. So, <laughs> as everybody knows, you know, Hummer brand was around in the early 2000s. Um, and it was this kind of really lifestyle off-road oriented brand based on the military vehicle initially and then on and on with General Motors. And It was know, very, very raw, raw, you know, very, very um, Arnold Schwarzenegger who famously had a bunch of Hummers. And yeah. he also advertised, you know, with them and used, yep. you know, he was in their marketing uh, programs. Um, so, yeah, Arnold was huge on that. And I think Arnold might be huge on that again. <laughs> well, I don't be, know. Because he, he electrified a Hummer, so he could be. Yeah, he electrified the Hummer. He electrified the G-Wagon, I think. Yeah. So he, he's big on electrification these days. So I don't know for sure. But, uh, you know, Le LeBron James is also on board with marketing the Hummer EV. Um, so now the Hummer EV is coming back, or I'm, I should say the Hummer brand is coming back under GMC umbrella. Yep. So as a um, trim, as he yeah, has a model rather than a brand, which is super interesting, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And as a truck, and they the never actually, I mean, they, they kind of had the truck SUV thing, but they yep. never had a truck truck before. So I'm also intrigued by that. Yeah, well, um, they had the H3T, which was right. technically like a Chevy Colorado dress. Yeah. Up. With upgrade. the tiny bed and the bigger, yeah, it was kind of funky. Yeah, so they never truly had a pickup truck like an F-150 would be. Right. Um, and it's, it looks, we don't know a lot about the Hummer, by the way. There That's was true. supposed to make a debut, world debut in May of this year, 2020. It, the, the debut was delayed, but their website says the GMC Hummer EV electric vehicle is coming in the fall of 2021. So mm -hmm. that's after September, right? Or September or after that. Um, right. So it doesn't look like GMC will beat Rivian uh, the way it's stated currently. Um, right. Market. Um, it might be Tesla, though. <laughs> so I, in my head, I would assume that GM will beat Tesla because GM has been pretty on target with their product launches. I mean, it, it's, it's unusual for a mainstream major manufacturer to be as late as Tesla is with their vehicles, right? So it's like manufacturer may push it back a month or two, but they're, they're pretty on time. And of course, they have a long history of producing EVs because they're the only other company that's fully run out of EV tax credits because of the Volt and Bolt sales. Yeah, and uh, obviously all of these manufacturers are stating insane power numbers, you know, 3.0 seconds, zero to 60 acceleration times for these trucks um, yeah. in the range. Uh, GM is also saying about 400 miles maximum of electric range. And this 
um, GMC Hummer EV truck, um, they they teased it with you know removable roof panels. Mm-hmm. So if the world is crazy about that, right? The Bronco just yes. <laughs> with convertible top, removable panels. The Wrangler is there. The Gladiator truck is there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just reminds uh, but, me. It reminds me of like a 1980s Camaro with a T-top. <laughs> it, it might be a little bit more than that. Is it going to be a fad thing? Is the removable panel going to be a fad thing like the T-top? Because you know nobody T-tops anymore. So I don't know. No, and I think the reason was there was nowhere to put them. Right, you <laughs> take your T-tops off. You have this, you know, nice open air. But where do you store them? Do you throw them in your garage? Are they going to get scratched? You know, yep. do you put them in your trunk? You know, in your bed? you know, what are you supposed to do? Um, so, so that's going to be really interesting. And um, of course, GM is also quoting these, you know, high performance numbers, monstrous torque, um, and also um, a single motor, dual motor, and tri-motor um, configurations. Mm-hmm. So they talked about that, and they talked about their new kind of chemistry for their batteries. Um, so, yep. but we don't know, once again, a heck of a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so next up... I want to move to Ford really quick uh, yes. because they announced for 2021 model year F-150 hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is supposed to be a twin turbo V6, the 3.5 liter in conjunction with a small electric motor sandwiched between that and the 10 speed automatic and then a small battery all wrapped into this regular hybrid, not a plug-in. Right. Um, so tell me it's about sort of, it. Sort of looks like Ford Explorer hybrid with twin turbo V6 rather than the 3.3 liter V6 that the Explorer gets. Yeah. From what we know, from what we know, it's the same automatic transmission and the same electric motor that's in the Explorer rather than the Aviator. So they um, they explored and then swapped in the 3.5 liter twin turbo. Yeah, and the 3.5 liter twin turbo F150 has so far hasn't lacked for power. I mean, no. it was always yeah. a powerful truck. And now you're adding electricity to it, you know, be mild, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a small electric motor and a small battery. So tell me about your experience recently with your Explorer towing. Uh, can you tease some of that information? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm in, I'm, I was intrigued by the Explorer. Um, you know, a uh, little bit of, of, of back history here. You know, I, I ended up, I have a 2018 Durango and I bought the Durango because of its towing capability. Well, but I should say I leased it in 2018 because of its towing capability. And the reason I leased it is because the Explorer was coming and it was supposed to be, oh, and, um, and we thought, you know, maybe the Explorer would be the towing thing that I, that we were all promised. Cause we knew there was gonna be a hybrid. We knew the hybrid was gonna be able to tow. Um, we knew there were going to be twin turbo V6s in there. We knew there was going to be an ST. So all that was, was teased and was out there. Um, and in my head, I was thinking, this is going to be perfect. If it tows 7,500 pounds, I'm all in on the Explorer. And then we got the tow ratings, and all of a sudden, I'm going to have a Durango forever. 5,000. Yes, 5,000 for the hybrid. And I'm still under 6,000, even if you get the three liter twin turbo, which is unfortunate. And the hybrid tows the least. So even the base 2.3 liter turbo tows more than the hybrid. Um, The hybrid system was really not smooth at all at the launch event. I drove a pre-production one all day there. I spent most of my time, oddly enough, in the hybrid Mm -hmm. Explorer. And I was really unimpressed with the drivetrain smoothness. Um, They take out the torque converter, they put in a clutch pack, and it was 
it, it was just really not well coordinated. They do seem to fix that. So the one we have this week is a full production Explorer hybrid, and the software is now about as smooth as the BMW and Mercedes plug-in hybrids. The design of the hybrid system is identical to what we see in Mercedes, BMW, and Audi rear-wheel drive plug-in hybrids and hybrids. Um, so it's, it's going to be about as smooth as them, which is to say not as smooth as an escape hybrid or a, a Toyota hybrid because the, the drivetrain technology is totally different. Mm -hmm. But the key is that it's going to feel and tow like a traditional rear-wheel drive car since it has that traditional 10-speed automatic in there. Um, engine braking is better than the Highlander because the engine's bigger and we have the traditional automatic transmission. Um, logically cooling, transmission cooling is also going to be superior because it's going to cool just like a, an F-150's 10-speed automatic transmission. Mm -hmm. um, the one downside, I think, is the fuel economy, which was surprisingly poor, I would say. While towing, um, you mean? Just in general, actually, oh, everybody, okay. the, every other auto reviewer, every other auto outlet that I know that's had a production Explorer in for test um, has failed to meet their EPA numbers, which are already not great. So the uh, Explorer hybrid in rear wheel drives 28 miles per gallon and the you know Highlanders high 30s. So two wheel drive 28 miles per gallon, all wheel drive drops it down to only two miles per gallon better than the 2.3 liter turbo. Um, so it takes a bigger, bigger drop for the all-wheel drive one. And um, driving here to the office today, I reset the trip fuel economy uh, meter and, and just to see what I could do, 65 on the highway, going up and over a 2,200-foot mountain pass, but starting at 1,300 feet. So a little bit over and then long downhill all the way to sea level, all the way to the office. We're 20 feet above sea level here at the office. Mm -hmm. um, I got 28.1 miles per gallon. That's the best number we've gotten so far. But you do that round trip, and that economy average drops down to about 21. Interesting. And this is um, all-wheel drive or two-wheel drive? This one's the two-wheel drive model. Two-wheel two drive model. Interesting. Yeah. So, so the so, fuel economy is not great. So this is um, kind of their bigger vehicle hybrid technology. So, right. so I'm hoping, and obviously nobody has driven the F-150 hybrid yet, I'm hoping that the F-150 is more advanced, you know, in smoothness, like you said, um, mm -hmm. it's more advanced in, you know, power delivery, maybe efficiency, but it doesn't appear that because it's a premium powertrain in the F-150 world, mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's kind of priced uh, near the top of their range next to their diesel, uh, three liter right. diesel engine um, right now. Um, it, it appears to be a power play in my mind. For yes. the F one fifty, right? You no, know, that acceleration and not mm -hmm. really uh, ultimate efficiency, uh, a play, uh, right? And it's, now. I mean, it's worth noting that in their in their their product launch presentation, uh, which unfortunately you guys didn't attend, right. um, <laughs> they never spoke about fuel economy. So the F one fifty hybrid is being positioned as a a work alter, uh, you know, the work truck thing. The power thing, they did say it would be class leading in power. So one would assume that would exclude any, you know, supercharged Ram pickup truck in the future. Mm -hmm. But it would be class leading in power and class leading in torque. So again, logically, based on what we've seen, take the current 3.5 liter twin turbo numbers in the high output form and then add the 44 horsepower electric motor that we find in the Explorer. That's probably what the number will be. It's my mm -hmm. guess. Um, but the big thing there is the inverter capability. So they're not really targeting fuel efficiency. They're targeting the ability to drive your truck to a work site, 
and and power a cement mixer and a demo hammer and a whatever. Um, and I'm intrigued by that because this last weekend uh, we were installing our new solar array at home, and that is literally exactly what I did. I drove my Jeep Grand Cherokee up the hill into the uh -huh. middle of the forest where there's no power, and I powered my cement mixer and my demo hammer because I needed to get grounding rods in the ground and I needed to be able to mix cement. So I'm like, this is this is the hybrid for me. That is exactly my target market. So wait, you have a hybrid Jeep? What, what? No, I don't have, I have a regular Jeep, but I, I ripped out the alternator. I put a 300 amp alternator in the Grand Cherokee so that I could run a 3000 watt inverter. So that way you can park it somewhere and have AC power so you can drive electric power tools. That, that's awesome. And Ford, of course, their biggest output is 7.2 kilowatts. That could run my house in the winter. So I'm excited about that because I live in the middle of nowhere. My nearest neighbor is a little over a mile away uh -huh. and power is really unreliable in the winter. So again, I, good for my demographic because they claim that you could run at full tilt for uh, a day and a half uh, at full load at seven kilowatts. And I can run my entire house on a six kilowatt generator. So I'd be golden. Yeah, yeah, so, so that's really interesting. And then of course, Ford has announced their all electric F-150. Um, mm -hmm. And we don't know a lot about it. We know that the prototype electric F-150 can tow a train uh, on tracks, uh, we know that, um, but, we don't know a lot of other stuff. Uh, initially, right. some people said that maybe the F-150 electric truck will be kind of an um, extension of what Rivian is doing because Ford invested into Rivian. Mm -hmm. But then Ford made a statement that the F-150 electric truck will be unique. You know, it may have some, you know, some shared components of knowledge, but it will be a unique truck to, uh, to the Ford family. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of all we know. Right. I'm kind of intrigued a little bit more by the Ford truck possibility um, just in a pragmatic sense because Ford is, is really targeting um, commercial applications, commercial customers that are wanting that inverter capability, the, uh, the way the bed is formatted. They're mo more likely, I think, than the other companies to give us a standard half-ton sized truck mm -hmm. um, that is half-ton capable and bed-sized like a half-ton truck with all the the, the work-centric features that we see in, in the F-150, especially like the upcoming hybrid model. Mm -hmm. And that is the one flaw, I think, with the Cybertruck and the Rivian and the Badger as well, is their size is not quite there. So what I want to know is, how really does a 4x8 sheet of plywood fit in a Cybertruck or a Rivian or whatever? You know, how much is sticking out? You know, what's the width between the wheel wells and the rear? What can you actually get back there? Um, and what the payload figures are going to be because, you know, we're talking about 200, kil 200 kilowatt hour battery packs minimum in most of these guys here. And that's going to be a 2000 pound battery pack in all likelihood. Oh, so or more or more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. all, that's a lot of battery and that's going to come right out of your payload. It was one of the reasons we see high payload figures in the F-150 is because they went aluminum and they, they deleted all the weight that they could get out of the trucks. That means you can stick more stuff back there in the bed. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm going to be intrigued by some of those numbers. You know, if it if it if it's sort of you know the the argument against RAM has classically been low payload figures. So if it's last generation RAM payload figures where you get 1,100 pounds in your truck, um, that's going to be a little bit disappointing. No, and you're I think you're right. I mean, it's kind of cliche the four by eight sheet of plywood, but you know that's what people do. They go to Home yeah. or Lowe's or another improvement store and they get the materials. They want to bring it home. So it's not just a mm -hmm. lifestyle vehicle, right? Right. Uh, I, I think the beautiful part about a of a pickup truck is that it can do 
all things or many things, mm -hmm. right? So, so the, the fact that you're limiting its capability to maybe just, you know, going surfing or doing right. you know, rock climbing or, you know, doing active lifestyle. But, you know, if it limits you as, as far as work, how much work you can do with the truck, I don't think it's great. Um, but, you know, there's room for both, I think. You know, there's right. room for a lifestyle truck. There's room for a, more of a work-ready uh, truck. Um, and uh, so, really quickly, we don't know the price on the Hummer EV. We mm -hmm. don't know the price or information on the Ford EV. We, Chevrolet said that uh, their electric Chevy truck is coming also within yes. two years. So, but that's kind of outside of our window of time, right? That's right. beyond 2021. Right. Um, and that's, that's probably just going to be a Chevy Hummer, to be honest. You know, we all, we all know that, right? <laughs> well, is it? You know, that's, I'm hoping, that's my guess. I'm pretty sure. I'm hoping it's something else. I'm hoping it's more of a Silverado with Hummer guts in it rather than yeah. a rebadge. You know, you know, I, I don't want it to be a rebadge version, basically. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Chevy, Chevy GMC history is pretty, pretty rebadgy. So I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on, on rebadge. Okay, and I'm not gonna. That's me. I'm not. I'm not, not, not going to promise to eat a horse either on that one. But that's my. That's my guess. <laughs> let's, let's not eat horses anymore. <laughs> okay, um, we're talking about toy horses, by the way. No. Yes, toy horses. Because we're not in like, Canada, so we can't legally eat horse here. But you can in Canada. We could take a trip to Toronto. Please don't send email or hate mail to us about eating horses. Yeah, me either. Uh, Sorry. Right. So, and then finally, you know, we have to mention several other companies, right? There's also Lordstown. Yes. Uh, that that mm -hmm. recently also made an announcement about all-electric truck, more of a work-ready truck uh, at approximately like a $52,000 entry price with in-hub motors. So completely mm -hmm. different uh, approach right. to everybody else that seems to be uh, working on an electric truck. So now in-hub motors, which is basically uh, each motor is in the wheel instead of being inboard, which is also very clever. I think I like right. that design. As long as you can keep the weight down, right? Um, mm -hmm. So what do you think about the Lordstown uh, truck? I'm intrigued. I just, I wonder how real it is, you know, in my head. It doesn't appear to be very exciting other than very, I mean, it's, it's more functional than exciting, I would say. It reminds me of the Workhorse truck. Do you remember well, them? Right, Workhorse is actually part of the investors in this. Right. Yeah. So, so they're they're more of a kind of a Lordstown now, and they have a yeah. factory. So they're retooling mm -hmm. a factory in Lordstown, Ohio. So mm -hmm. that's the name of the company, um, and they're calling their truck Endurance. And you're right. It's kind of, you know, I've been wanting to test that workhorse truck for forever, and I've asked them yeah. a thousand times, and I never got one. I, I never had boy, one. Boy, boy, is that truck ugly. Wow. That, that old workhorse truck was, was something else. <laughs> um, so there's them, and they're saying, you know, within a year, potentially. So they, they have a kind of a, a, they're a horse in the race, so mm -hmm. to speak, uh, using the horse analogies. Um, and then finally, uh, there are a couple of other companies. And once again, I'm going down the list of investment, right? Right. How much? How much these companies are have invested into them, and I think next in, on my mind is Bollinger. 
right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So we've seen the Bollinger B1 SUV and B2 truck. So those are coming. Um, and they're once again, kind of a more premium product. Yeah, I just hope they're better built than all the ones that have been showing so far. Cause the ones they show off at the auto shows are pretty bad. Like in the assembly quality and right. you know, lots of weird visible bolts. Right. And yeah, they're, they're really rough prototypes. So I'm hoping that, that they're going in a better direction cause some things are pretty cheesy. So, and they have about 200 miles range currently. That's their mm -hmm. promise. Right. Uh, with their capability, but it's uh, their truck is very square, like you said, very square, and it's supposed to be modular to where you can yep. like take off a fender yourself and replace it yourself if you want, or take out the door or a seat. Re removable panels once again, so yep. you have kind of a clear uh, sky view, um, or actually glass or composite roof panels. Mm -hmm. um, $125,000 starting price, that's it's, quite it's high. Spendy. It's spendy. And the range is low. And, you know, they all, they all tout these performance figures and these towing figures. But then, you know, maybe now it's time to talk about the towing numbers. But, like, yeah. you know, as you guys have noticed, and you're towing with EVs, towing is terrible because there's, there's not much energy on board. So your, your tow uh, range is going to be drastically lower than people, I think, are thinking. It's, it's not going to be half. It's going to be less than half of the stated range, I would say, if you're going to tow a camper of any reasonable size, if you're going to tow, you know, your, your uh, RV trailer, that's, you know, 20 foot something, a mm -hmm. um, little bit wider than your truck, obviously a lot taller than your truck, um, five, 6,000 pounds, even, even that, which is not a lot of weight, generally speaking, um, your, your tow range is going to be incredibly poor. And in an EV, yes. we don't have charging stations that are well designed for, for that, for, for spending large amounts of time there because, the, the, the lower your range ends up being, uh, the more, more you're going to want to stuff in your battery in a charging session. So you're not going to really be willing to stay at that charger, DC fast charger, just till you're 80% full. You're probably going to want to go all the way to 100 because you need that extra oomph. Yes. And that means spending an hour to an hour and a half at your charging station. Um, at the best case. At best case, and then yeah. what do you do with your trailer and the current charging stations? We're talking massive parking lots now that are, are, that are going to have to be designed for something with a recreational vehicle attached to it that's going to uh, charge it. That's kind of tricky in my mind. Um, and, you know, I was, I was driven home again recently with my experience in the, in the Durango. So we were going to do a, a range, a range uh, comparison video here, but you guys beat us to it. So I, I threw all the video away and scrapped it because it what? sounded a little too copycat somehow. Oh, when you guys no. were doing the towing towing videos with the Model X, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, it was funny actually because I was telling Roman and I were talking about it at a, at a at an event, and he's like, "Yeah, we just finished filming," and I'm like, "Oh, I only filmed half of it, so never mind." <laughs> so I threw it away. Um, but we did we did some runs with um, just making the analogy to two more traditional SUVs. Like we had a a Durango SRT uh, in for a weekly review, and if you drove the Durango SRT at 55 miles an hour. Uh, on level highway, you would get about 25, 26 miles per gallon. It wasn't half bad for, you know, 6.4 liters. Oh, it's incredible, dude. Yeah. It's incredible. But you stick, you stick my 24 foot uh, flatbed trailer. It's a, uh, it's plus it's 24 feet bed plus tongue length plus ramps. So it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a long one and it weighs 3,800 pounds on its own. Just stick that guy on the Durango SRT. The fuel economy drops down to about 19.9 miles per hour, just under 20 miles per gallon. So you've already had this 
Empty trailer. Empty. Absolutely yeah. empty. Most aer- as aerodynamic as that guy's going to get. Drops down to, to there. Then we put uh, two 5,000-gallon water tanks on the back, which weigh nothing. They weigh a few hundred pounds each, but they're big. They're 10-foot diameter tanks. Yeah. Put two tanks on it, towed that on the same route, same speed, 55 miles an hour, 12 miles per gallon. So basically half. You just have yes. to. But yeah. not a lot of weight. Not a lot of weight. Not a lot of weight, right. Yeah. So we're still, we're still talking relatively light. Um, and then, you know, towed a RAV4 hybrid. RAV4 hybrid, uh, we towed actually very similar elevation change to what you guys do in your, your long-distance towing tests up to the Eisenhower Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, only I'm starting from sea level and going to, to a little over 7,000 feet, and your guys are starting at 5,000 feet and going up from there. Yeah. Uh, but similar, similar elevation change. Yeah. Uh, and the RAV4 hybrid about, about dropped its, its fuel economy in half. It actually averaged about 20 miles per gallon on the round trip versus 40. And that was with a 2,000-pound trailer, much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, 2,000-pound, 14-foot box trailer. So, you know, you, you stick. And, and, of course, these, these guys are less aerodynamic. So, like a Durango or a RAV4 or any of the other traditional gasoline EVs, they're less aerodynamic now in their current form. So, they're not depending as much on skinny tires and swoopy jelly bean shapes to, to try and get their range. So, what we've seen is in, in EVs or, or, or more aero-focused vehicles that you're going to try and tow with, the range drop is more severe even than half in a lot of these towing situations. Yeah, and like you said, we did the Model X Tesla comparison yep. against the Lexus SUV. And the reason why we picked Lexus LX and Tesla Model X, they're about the same price. They're mm-hmm. both almost $100,000. And one is a giant gas V8 kind of like a truck engine, and the other one can tow about 5,000 pounds, which is currently the highest towing rating on an electric vehicle yep. uh, for the Model X um, SUV. And we compared them, yes, and like you said, uh, huge drops in range uh, when, mm-hmm. when towing. And you guys uh, weren't towing a very big trailer, really. I mean, all so, things considered. Yeah, our trailer was 18 feet long. Uh, mm-hmm. Once again, a heavy-duty trailer, a tandem axle, dual axle. Yep. Um, yep. And we had a Subaru... A DL wagon on top. So mm-hmm. Subaru is a very l- small aerodynamic thing. Yep. Total weight was about 5,000. So, so uh, Subaru plus the trailer. So once again, uh, you, I think you hit it on the head. If you would have to, char- if you had to drive an hour, let's say hour and a half, yep. right? Go about a hundred miles yep. then charge for an hour, go another hundred miles, if you're on a yep. long trip, right? That right. could drive most people. That's a bummer. Nuts. Yes. That's a bummer. And then, of course, you're going to have to hunt for the charging station. So the way the charging stations are arranged, you know, I, I think Tesla's, like Tesla's innovation, I think arguably was not charging connectors or batteries necessarily, battery capacity necessarily. I think they're, one of their big innovations was their charging networks location. So, you know, Tesla realized that they needed to control where the stations are located to facilitate long distance travel. Um, but on the other hand, they're all located to facilitate long distance travel in a car driven the way normal drivers are driving. So every two to 300 miles apart are, you know, station distance. So right. I don't, they're not really well situated for towing either. That would, that's going to require a massive additional investment if, if they have a cyber truck and they're really going to be pushing recreational towing, that sort of thing. How is that really going to work? Um, you know, for those longer distances, aside from the fact that once you get to that national park, is there going to be a charging station for you there? You know, if you're going to want to run anything off your truck's inverter system, you've got this big battery and you might want to use it there, but, um, but are you going to be able to charge it there? Yeah, pr- 
likely not. Or if you are, maybe it's going to be busy, like you said. Yeah. Like I'm intrigued by the Rivian because they're Rivian is pushing their off-road ability so super hard. So you drive your Rivian to Mammoth or wherever you're going to go off-roading. Remote spot. Remote. Remote spot. Yeah. And then you're going to go off-roading in your truck, which is really going to suck up some battery power. Are you actually going to be able to get home? You know, well, you now know that you've used all your battery. You know what you do then? You you unfurl your solar array, okay, um, off of your truck. It's a lot and, of it's a lot of solar array. And, and and wait a day or two. Oh, it's gonna be a long time. It's gonna be a long time. I just, I mean, we're we're going we're we're going off grid at home, and so we just put we're we're started. We have, half of the array is in. We just installed four thousand watts of solar panels. That takes up. Uh, 30 feet by, by 20 feet. It's, it's a lot of solar panels. And that's, you know, you're going to get 4,000 watts on a good day on the equator in a lab because in our real world, maybe maybe 3,000 watts is the most you can get. So it's going to take a long time to charge a, a big battery, even with massive numbers of panels. Yeah, and I was, I was kind of being, I was joking. I mean, it's not really realistic. You might pick up a yep. few miles of range, right? You, you could, you could, given time. Right. So, so maybe if you are camping somewhere, it'll be enough, you know, if you're using solar generated energy to go down to a town and then charge, right? So that, that yeah. might be a solution, but, but. Or it could be that maybe, maybe the nature of that kind of activity is gonna change and we're gonna see more RV style electrical connections at, at parks to facilitate this, that's possible. Well, by the way, uh, campgrounds have electric right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you can they have, RV, plug your RV in. Well, because you have to run air conditioners and all that stuff yeah. on your RV. So, so from I like to go camping places where people don't have RVs, so there's never a, never a power connection where I camp. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it depends on what you want to do. But where I go camping, it's usually at the lake uh, here in, near Fort Collins. And there's a, you know, a real um, fully equipped campground. Uh, mm -hmm. Because we want to have access to the lake, which is we don't have a lot in Colorado. Um, boom, you have electricity right there, um, and and pretty you know pretty uh, uh, you know level two basically right. uh, capability uh, right there, which is definitely very handy, and that that would could help solve the problem. The so, range 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 is definitely going to be the bear there. Um, and that's why I'm really on the fence. You know, in my head, I'm torn between two worlds. Like, if the 1RT uh, happens on time, is that where I should go? Should I get one? But then am I going to be able to live with it? Or should I just buy the Durango off-lease? I haven't, I haven't figured that one out yet. Or maybe you should do something else and get like a plug-in hybrid Jeep when it comes out. How about that? Like, towing, towing would be the question. You know, could it tow? Could it tow eight thousand pounds easily? No, no the Wrangler yeah. four by E, right? It's coming. Yeah, it's not going to tow no. anything. <laughs> no, no, it's it's probably going to tow what three thousand thirty five hundred pounds, maybe. Yeah. So from that, I mean, standpoint, short short wheelbase off road oriented suspension. It's not going to be great to tow with anyway. Right. So you probably have to wait for another solution. Maybe you know what you could get in the future. You could get a straight six diesel Tahoe. You know, the you Tahoe's a little big. The one thing that I like about the Durango is that it's it's smaller. So you can tow, it's it's just over 200 inches long. So it's it's definitely shorter than the Tahoe and narrower than the Tahoe. So um, I find that especially backing up trailers in the area where I live, I, li I live in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So 
you know, narrow dirt roads and, and gravel roads and, and parking spaces in between trees. Mm -hmm. So the one problem I noticed, uh, dealing with towing with, with larger things, like you've got, been, you know, Ram 3500, 3, you know, and you're, you know, moving something with it. Um, yeah. cause my, my, my heavy duty trailer is rated for over 10,000 pounds. Um, but getting that trailer, backing it up is a pain because the truck just doesn't turn very tight. So you can't get the trailer to do what you want to do sometimes because the, 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 the tongue length is too long. This is between the first axle and the tongue is too long. So you just can't make it turn. I drove myself to absolute frustration trying to park the trailer once and I just said, forget it. And I disconnected the truck and reconnected my, my, my Grand Cherokee because I have a lifted Grand Cherokee, reconnected the Grand Cherokee and just tootled it back in the parking spot because it just turned tighter. Mm -hmm. You know what you could do? You can do a tank turn with your trailer. That would be, I actually, I'm really intrigued by that because <laughs> that would be kind of interesting. Um, I, I can, no, I, I wouldn't recommend that. I, 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 I it, would not recommend that. I, I don't know if I would recommend it either, but it strikes me as interesting in that maybe in some situations, this would help you better align the trailer somewhere. I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. So I could yeah. also see jackknifing being very easy. But, yeah, and hitting, yeah. and hitting the side of your truck could be very easy. And then yes. on tank turn, it seems like there are two schools of thought. You know, there are some people that say it's useful for tight maneuvers. Um, other people said, you know, it's just for show, you know, it's silly and it's dumb, you know, it's just a party trick that you can show off to your friend, but then yeah. you could tear up your tires, you could do a lot of damage. Other yeah, you could say, definitely do that. I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see if there is a more off-road focused application of this. Like I could see in my head the ability to control the motors independently, maybe helping shorten the turning radius on tighter trails, but then you run the risk of, of sliding down the hill if you're on an incline, because if you have some slip there, as you would have if you're trying to manipulate things in that way to turn more aggressively, um, you know, maybe you could end up sliding down the hill and then bopping the side of your truck on a rock. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how that works in person. Yeah, especially on the side slope. That's what yeah. you do, right? On the yeah, side yeah, slope. yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry, you know, we're kind of running out of time, but there are other companies we haven't even mentioned. You know, there's Atlas, that also mm -hmm. works is working on an electric truck, um, and and there are several others. Um, but but I think all of them, it seems like all of them initially said end of 2020, and yeah. then and then they're like waiting for each other. You know, all right, you go next, you go next. Mm -hmm. And Rivian said summer or June 2021, and it seems like everybody's like, okay, shoo, okay, they they said they're being delayed, so now we can delay. You know, it yep. seems like everybody's playing this kind of, we want to get to market, but it's hard to get to market. So we want to, you know, so yep. it seems to be like a waiting game. I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see how many traditional sh truck shoppers move. I'm wondering, I'm wondering who is pre-ordering the Rivian and who has pre-ordered a Cybertruck. Because uh, I think they're the only ones, can you pre-order a Badger yet? Yes, you can now. Okay, so you can. Yes. So the three, three, right? That you can pre-order because the Hummer pre-orders aren't open yet, as I recall, right? Correct. Um, so I think, three that you I can pre-order. I wonder what pre-order uh, an Atlas, um, but I, you know, they have a kind of a facility in Arizona mm -hmm. also. But I don't. I'm just see interested them. who these shoppers are. Are they are they truck owners that are interested in an electric truck, or are they electric shoppers that are interested in a truck? And I think that's kind of. I think it's kind of a ladder. different person. I think it's the latter, you know, like you were saying, maybe it's a person who already has an electric vehicle. 
or maybe a plug-in hybrid or some sort of a hybrid and they need more capability so maybe they're ordering you know obviously we'll have to wait and see because none of these companies are really kind of saying you know what, right. what audiences are um when i talked to rivian they said you know they're trying to hit the white space yeah like you said, and they're trying between, to go for outdoorsy yeah outdoorsy and also between the midsize and the full-size truck they're yeah. trying to make create something else which is always tricky, right? Yeah. Uh, Rivian's marketing reminds me a lot of the Bronco stuff that we've seen, to be honest. Like yes. that, the way that they're focusing on what they think is a customer and Bronco's customer, I'm like, these are the same people. Yeah, they are. And it's funny, the Bronco is not a hybrid. You know, I no. expect yeah. you know, they might announce something, but not yet. I haven't seen anything on the Bronco hybrid or anything mm -hmm. of that sort. Um, but you know, both Rivian and Bronco, they're using rock climbing is their thing right mm -hmm. you gotta go climb rocks rock climbing and you know they the the ever popular images of rivian driving their truck through the dusty dirt and back and forth and spinning around in circles and you know all all the all that usual stuff um, okay i'm intrigued so alex let's reconvene soon um maybe you know maybe in june of next year and let, let's see <laughs> you know how That's, this plays out june june of next year is soon <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess in the on I guess in the ongoing global pandemic there is no time so <laughs> time has lost meaning uh, but but I hope I talk to you before then but on this topic let's reconvene when we actually have something on the market yeah and actually and actually see what's going on and then also we can also argue what's better SUV or truck for Tony oh that's a tricky one I'm very <laughs> torn I am open to suggestion on this topic. So yes, let's let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're good and bad. Like you said, you know, maneuverability versus capability. I mean, there's mm -hmm. good and bad in both. Yeah, uh, we can discuss a little bit more about that. But thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks uh, so much. And um, of course, you're Alex Hanatos on YouTube, right? Yes, you can find us over there at youtube.com slash Alex and there's merch there. You can save the amber lamps, all that sort of stuff. And we have new merch over there at TFL. You can see the the sporty yes. new shirt there. Yes, uh, we have. We're working with duckcompany.co.com, um, and the TFL store is where you can buy our new merchandise, which is I think is well designed. They did a great job. Yeah, it all looked really good. I'm I'm right. jealous now. My merch is my merch is very sad looking in comparison. But but, but it's kind of humorous <laughs> and nice and cool. So all right, thanks, Alex. We'll all right. we'll see you next take time. care. Talk to you later. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.